everyone, and welcome again to another great edition of Talking Ticks. I'm your host, Scott Gerard, joined as always by my great co-host, Tommy Johnson and Daniel Zollinger. Uh, got quite a few things to get into this week, actually, so we're going to get right into it. Uh, before we do, as always, I want to remind you folks, please follow us on Twitter, if not already doing so, at Talking Tigs. Uh, we're also on Facebook as LSU Podcast, or excuse me, no, the Talking Tigs Podcast. Um, and we're on iTunes and Spotify as well, uh, and TikTok now, uh, just so you know. Uh, I've actually got a, quite a few videos that's got quite a few hits, um, some with some high-profile likes, uh, but I'm sure we'll, we'll probably mention that sometime in the pod. Uh, but before we get into it, I want to check in with uh, the co-hosts, see how you guys are doing. What, what, what's new, guys? Uh, not much new, just... You know, another day, another podcast, number forty-seven. So we're we're coming in real real close on uh, on one year of talking tigs. So what a ride it's been. You know, I will I will note that um, ever since like from the from the time that we started this podcast to now, LSU has never lost a football game. So um, you know, and I think we'll go a year without losing a football game uh, with talking tigs if everything holds out for the next five weeks. Um, that being said. I just think that uh, we deserve some credit for the national championship. That is all. I'm sure that the Tiger players were listening to our podcast every step of the way. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm doing well. Uh, another week did pretty good. I got to plug the TikTok again. Me and Tommy have been cooking up some, uh, some videos for your viewing pleasure. We're over 2,000 total followers now and over 20,000 total likes on all our videos. So getting a little bit of clout. Um, passing up other LSU accounts left and right. What can we say? But uh, yeah, so go check that out. Justin Jefferson just liked another one of our videos yesterday, so he's still active on there. Jettis. Thanks, Jettis. <laughs> uh, right on. Well, um, like I said uh, earlier, a lot to get into, so let's get right into it. Um, I guess first and foremost, uh, <laughs> uh, Joe Burrow, uh, you know, uh, update to to a previous podcast. Joe Burrow has now um, secured another postseason award. He was this week voted the SEC Male Athlete of the Year. Um, I, I got to be honest, I, I wasn't really surprised. I didn't really know about the award that was coming, uh, to also be honest with that, but uh, not really surprised. Maybe that's why it wasn't, you know, maybe bigger news in the sports world. But uh, yeah, uh, he, he got it. Can't imagine anyone else. Um, I don't know. I'll throw it to you, Tommy. Well, <laughs> You got anything to add to that? Uh, I mean, I just think that I think that honestly, Bo Nix got robbed. I mean, he had the best season of any quarterback in the SEC. Hot take. <laughs> Hot take. Yeah. No, I'm totally kidding. Uh, I mean, Burrow, undisputed. You know, most most votes ever given to a Heisman Trophy winner. Um, it's only right that he's the SEC Athlete of the Year, especially the fact fact that like really football was the only sport this year in the sec. So, you know, baseball or a, or a basketball player really didn't have a chance to, to even compete. That being said, I think if you could, you could give, you could give all those sports, you know, three seasons for his one and, and he'd still be the number one player in the sec this year. So um, good for Joe, just more awards to add to the trophy case. Uh and a little bit of, you know, a little bit of something to be excited about during this kind of dull time before, uh, before we actually get into the swing of the next season. Yeah. The Burrow family probably had to knock down a few walls in their house to make some more room in the, uh, the, the trophy room for all the hardware. He just keeps collecting up and, and rightly so I've been 
kind of low-key thinking about whether I should go back to my guns and start predicting Joe to be a, a bust in the upcoming NFL season. Oh, um, long-time <laughs> listeners know that I, I was down on him to start the year, and then he proved me wrong. So it might might be time to just go back to the old me, but uh, I'll save that one for right before the season if I'm going to drop a couple bombs. Daniel, if you go back to the well again and then you're wrong again, like he might have to be like just taken off the podcast. Like you might have to find a new person. So if you fire, so bad? <laughs> if you fire a second time, like you better not miss. This is how I like it. do my graceful exit from the podcast. <laughs> no, I'd, I'd say he would just be remanded to only doing recruiting corner. Like we would just have him as a, a special guest on for that. But he'd, he'd still have to sit. He'd have to sit here and listen to the rest of the podcast. He just would only talk for five minutes. Trot it out for thirty seconds of glory per episode. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, so yeah, I guess we're all in agreement. No big surprise. Um, yeah, again, just adding to his legacy, uh, best male athlete in the Southeastern conference. Uh, you know, which does say a lot cause uh, the SEC dominates and you could say almost every sport, at least the male sports, you know, it's some different varying degrees, obviously football, mostly then baseball, I'd say even track and field, then more, you know, we switched to kind of basketball, things like that. Um, but anyway, uh, keep it going with uh, male athletes. I, don't, I guess I can kind of toss it to Daniel with this because it is, I guess it's technically in the recruiting arena, but uh, LSU safety Eric Monroe is rumored to be in the transfer portal. Um, and then also there's some other, some other recruiting news that, that came out this week. So for that, I'm going to toss it to, uh, to our senior recruiting correspondent with Daniel. Yeah, so Eric Monroe, who I believe, or he's going to do a graduate transfer as a senior. He plays safety. He played, I think, sparingly last year in some reserve duty and was out the entire season previous uh, due to injury. So kind of an unfortunate turn of events for him. So I think he was like a former top 50 overall recruit. So pretty yeah. highly touted come out of high school and didn't really live up to the hype. Maybe, yeah, you know, like the injuries kind of, um, slowed him down some. So hopefully he finds a success elsewhere, but we've got plenty of guys willing to step in there. Jacoby Stevens, obviously locking that one spot. And then a lot of people think that uh, Maurice Hampton jr. Is going to fill that other safety spot, kind of the young gun who showed some promise last year. So maybe losing a little bit of depth from the DBs, but we've got other guys who can stack it up. Yeah. I mean, and also, you know, don't forget Kerry Vincent's coming back and, and, and then Todd Harris should be coming back off their off injury. Um, and then, you know, we've got so many, uh, so many safety talents coming in as well with Jordan Tolls and uh, some, of the, you know, some of the recruits we talked about, I think, even last week. So it's probably more of a thing where he kind of sees the writing on the wall that LSU is going to, you know, want move to move to getting some younger people snaps. And, and him being, a, being an older guy, you know, graduate transfer, he's eligible to be a graduate transfer. He wants to get as many... Uh, as many you know snaps on film as he can, because obviously if he was a top 50 recruit coming out of high school, he's got the talent. He just hasn't, you know, there's, there's only, there's only two to three safeties on a field at once. So, and, and at a school like LSU where you, you've got Grant Delpit, Jamal Adams, uh, Eric Reed, you know, all these great safety prospects that have come out, it's hard. It's hard to really, to uh, it's hard to have to find those spots. Right. I mean, it, it all depends on the recruiting cycle and the guys before you, you know, if, if, uh, if Jamal Adams is there, you know, if you say you got there at the same time, 
And then right behind him, somebody else came or like even cornerback, you know, uh, you get there, Derek Stanley signs after you. All right. He's just, he's a starter. Uh, I get it. He's a freshman all American. And then right behind him comes Elias Ricks. Uh, boom. It's like, you know, what can you do? Yeah. Mean these guys aren't good or talented. It's just, it's such a stacked, uh, not just defense, but secondary, you know, it's, it's DBU for a reason. And I would say it, I don't know. I guess, you know, in situations like these, you wonder if, you know, there is some sort of writing on the wall in the locker room or, you know, maybe even coaches just kind of give them a, you know, kind of some uh, encouraging suggestions here because the coaches know, you know, what they have and what they have coming in. And, you know, he, he was supposed to graduate this summer. So, you know, it's like he would, he would have a degree from LSU in the next three months, I guess. And I don't know. It's just, it came down to obviously I'm guessing playing time, right? Cause mm-hmm. uh, if he can transfer immediately, then he can play elsewhere, graduate and uh, not have any restrictions of any kind. So uh, I guess unless there's something else, but we haven't heard that yet, but you know, you have to assume that it's, you know, it's about playing time that, uh, that I think that was the only transfer we had in the works. Um, didn't really see, any recruitings come in, but there was kind of a, uh, a lateral move within the LSU sports program and someone from LSU baseball, who's, you know, I guess had a lot of time on his hands uh, and he's got quite a frame for it. He's, he's going to give a hand at LSU football. Um, anyone know who that might be? I know who you're talking about. I, I, the name escapes me. Uh, Mr. Uh, Nick stores. That sounds about right. Is he uh, Dan? You got the you got the skinny on that. Yeah. So Nick Stores is a pitcher for LSU's baseball team. He's been with the team a couple of years. He's a big old guy. I think he's like six six, like two twenty or something like that. Maybe even bigger. But yeah, he's kind of got a fireball. He's been a relieving pitcher, but has suffered some injuries and not as much playing time. And now he's looking to to make the jump to LSU football as a tight end, where we could definitely use a big body like that. And then I haven't quite seen whether he still plans to continue on the baseball team or focus exclusively on football, but that'll be exciting. It's not really a move you typically see, although we have had a few baseball football prospects in the past. Yeah. Like Chad Jones and, uh, and Jared Mitchell, uh, both who, you know, played football for LSU, won a title and then they, uh, they, they played baseball, uh, and won a title. Um, I would say, well, I think he's going out for, for tight end, which, you know, makes obvious, you know, that's, that's the most obvious role. Can't imagine him as a, you know, like a long snapper or something like that. So they're obviously going to use his frame and, you know, unless you lost Thaddeus Moss, they do have Eric Gilbert coming in, obviously, but, um, you know, how could you not even give a guy that's six, six and, and already, uh, you know, a top division one athlete, a chance to at that position. So, yeah. Could be nothing, but hey, it, you know, it could be something. Uh, LSU's had stuff like this happen before. Um, and there's just one other note to mention uh, in LSU commit. Uh, Garrett Neusmeyer, uh was just selected for the Elite 11, which is one of the top quarterback or it's the top quarterback competition in the country, right? Like that's yeah. the, the creme de la creme. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so, I mean, he was selected for that. Just, just thought it was worth mentioning. I don't, I don't really have anything else to add to other than that, unless, unless you guys did. Yeah, I mean, it's cool. I, I've watched. Uh, they used to do a show. I don't think they really show it as much on TV anymore. But they used to do a whole show about it. 
Um, it, you know, like I think, broadcasting the the events. Yeah, like, like, like yeah, it was like kind of like a narrative type show. So I don't think they showed the whole thing, but it was kind of like you know they profiled some of the players and did all this. The one I remember was they uh, was when this guy Christian Hackenberg. Remember him? He played for Penn State. Penn State, yeah. So he he was there, and I think he won the whole thing. So you know he he didn't really pan out for Penn State, but um, I guess it's you know kind of uh, kind of hit or miss on on whether it's an indicator of of real success, you know, at college or NFL level. But um, I think you know if you go back, I think I think there are a ton of great quarterbacks who've also who've gone through that as well. So um, it's good that we've got a guy in there. Um, I think TJ Finley was at the elite. Was he? Yeah, he was yeah. at 11, 2019. Yeah. yeah, he was. So, um, you know, we've got it. We got, now we got another notch on our belt for the elite 11. I wonder if Joe Burrow was in the elite 11, you know, for his recruiting year, the year before, probably a good, uh, probably a good trivia question, but for us anyway, us recruitaholics, uh, I would imagine he would be right. I mean, he was <laughs> Mr. Football, Ohio, um, and he ended up going to Ohio State, obviously, but who knows? Um, Looks like he was. Yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I would be surprised if he wasn't, actually. Uh, well, and speaking of, uh, you know, just kind of how the season progresses along, uh, the NCAA uh, just, I think it was today, actually, recently approved uh, an elongated preseason, allowing them to get more hours in the film room, um, weight training, because I think they're allowed like eight hours a week. Um, but they're going to move that up in the fall uh, because they had a shortened spring. So they're going to, I think, start at the end of July, which normally wouldn't start until, until mid-August. So they're giving an extra couple of weeks just to have some, uh, some film sessions and some, uh, some team meetings and such. Um, makes sense. Uh, and all this what, is what they said was this was – assuming that the first game is going to be played September 5th, which is what the original schedule was. So uh, I don't know. It's like you see all these weird levels of um, participation and non-participation across the country. But, uh, you know, everyone's still planning that, you know, football is going to resume as usual this year as, as originally planned. So I guess that looks positive, right? Something to look forward to. Yeah, I mean it's positive, but um, I will say, you know, that the, the president Fauci said the other day that he doesn't think football is going to happen. So I knew you were about to get on this. <laughs> uh, you know, he's 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 our king. He's our ruler. He tells us how to live. So um, what the what what the Fauci man says goes. So I, I just think that pretty much everybody should just stop practicing and go home and fig and you know start knitting because that's all he's going to let us do. Well, I guess I would uh, direct him to the NASCAR race that was actually happening today. It was supposed to happen yesterday. It didn't because of rain, but it's happening today. And uh, remember the first race they, they had in Darlington, there were there were no spectators. It was all supposed to be just crew and behind-the-scenes personnel. Uh, today, though, they were supposed to allow, I think, like 5,000 fans in. So I don't know. Maybe it's a, it's a little bitty barometer check of just you know having people together. You know, there was a big political rally in Tulsa this this weekend too so it's like you can you can tell pretty soon after if it's a really big deal or not um I don't know I think it's a little premature to say months ahead that uh it's not gonna happen when you know the rest of the people involved the ones that look at the sport and the business itself 
pretty much every day. I mean, it's a year-round business. Uh, and you, you have to imagine that these people, these all these power players with the money, you know, the guys that head up these all these boosters, these athletic programs, the athletic directors, uh, even the NCAA, uh, the college football playoff, all these people, all across, you know, different, uh, you know, just different, different cities and cultures across the country. They all think it's going to happen. So it's like, why would they have any different information? I understand that the, uh, the good doctor is, you know, it's, he's science-based and he's just going off of that. I think he's just probably a little shell-shocked. So he's probably erring way on the side of caution. But to rule out a whole football season, I think it's probably a little bit premature. Um, that's all I had to, to say about that. Unless, yeah, I guess that kind of kind of leads into the big coronavirus news at LSU this past week. We're yeah. gonna dive into that with the football team. Yeah, um, to the tune of thirty players. Now they did say though that it was they didn't really give us precise number. They just said it was thirty players that were either tested positive and or you know were direct contacts of those that were uh, that tested positive for it. That doesn't mean that thirty players were you know, have, have COVID. It just means, you know, it could mean 15 had it and the other 15 were in the weight room at the same time, something like that. Who knows? Um, but it is, I guess, you know, a little bit concerned. They're, they're going to be in quarantine for a little bit. Uh, but the other players I assume can, uh, continue on with their, their workouts. I imagine they clean that weight, weight room, uh, top to bottom, speak and span. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, well, along with the whole locker room, really. Well, they actually said that, uh, they at least as far as they knew that none of the cases came from the workouts that they were having and they were all from outside LSU's facilities. Um, That's right. So I mean, he came from Tigerland. Yeah. That's they, what a lot of people were saying. They did announce this. So Tigerland, the LSU student focused group of, of bars off campus open for basically one night on the previous weekend, like seven days ago. And from all, I was not there, but from all accounts and videos, it was basically packed at every single bar and some LSU players were there, and they got coronavirus, and so probably a whole lot of people there also had it. And then there was over – that was kind of a news item in itself that over 100 people who were at the, the bars there that night have already tested positive, and I assume it's, it's grown past that by now in a week. But it's pretty crazy that just kind of – just that one snap, and then it was kind of popped. But hopefully they um, can kind of trace it back and contain it from where it's at. Man, I wish I would have gone. <laughs> I want to go. I want to go ahead and get it. I want to get it over with. Well, that's honestly what a lot of people were saying. Like, is a good thing for LSU football. Like Scott Woodward was saying that he's like, it's good that we have it now, so we can, can like see what we're dealing with, try and contain it, and then just kind of get the the stuff over with. It's better to do it now than in the middle of the season when you got to sit these people out for two weeks plus whatever. Okay, what if like what if like we'll say Cordell Flott had it, and or no no okay yeah or like a. Like some of the key players had it, but like not like Stingley and Jamar Chase didn't have it at this moment. Would it be? Do you think it would be beneficial um, from a strategic standpoint to tell to be like, okay, uh, Derek, you're going to drink after Cordell now because we want you to get it now, so that way you don't get it later. Like when you just need, like almost like when they used to do those chicken pox parties. Well, it's not entirely like that. You can still, you can get it a second time after you heal. Like there's been a lot of cases, not a lot, but yeah. some cases of people getting it multiple times. Did, I'm sorry. Well, then, did, did, can we back away? Can we back it up a second? Did you say a chicken pox party? Yeah. That's like a thing. I've never heard of that. Yeah. Like way back in the day, yeah. like it's no, that, that was, t- it's totally a thing. Like 
you could like back in the day, like if one per if one person's kid had chicken pox, you would bring all the kids over and have them play with that kid. And then they would all get chicken pox and then it would just okay, like we got chicken pox, it's over. That sounds horrible, but I get it. Yeah. <laughs> you know, because I because I had it myself. Just get it out of the way, because otherwise you're always susceptible. Anyway, um yeah, I don't know. It's it's it, you know, it wasn't just at LSU, uh even Clemson, you know, they had a little outbreak themselves. Uh, I think they had 23 players. So once again, LSU beating Clemson this year in 2020, uh, not something we're necessarily proud of, but still uh, LSU on top, the real death Valley. Anyway, uh, <laughs> never, Alabama had some breakouts as well. So I, I think it's just, it's, you know, it could be something that we see more and more of, but you know, like you said, get out of the way now so that, you know, assuming the football season going on as usual, it, it doesn't really affect it because it, it's already run its course, or at least they know how to, deal with it and and prevent it but i don't know it's um such a like i I just don't know how you can completely control it unless you just make everyone wear like a you know some sort of cdc approved body suit and this is that's how you conduct your workouts did you see those mock-ups of like i think they're fake but the the nfl uniforms with the mask on like the mask over the face mask. yeah, yeah i did Jeez, uh, that would be suffocating. It just looked like a motorcycle helmet to me. Yeah, like why not just wear a motorcycle helmet? Those things, those things are designed for impact on a you know a motorcycle on a on, a, on an asphalt road. Uh, I'm sure they could withstand a. Well, you're not supposed to have head-to-head hits, but you know what I'm saying. Um, they look pretty stylish. Although I you know I don't blame NFL players for not wanting to wear it. It just it looks weird because. The face mask is just supposed to be as minimal as possible. Remember back when they just had a one bar? Oh yeah, like the kickers. Yeah. Um, well, like back back when I think when like Archie Manning played, everybody had a one bar. Like yeah. quarterbacks had. Well, unless you were on defense, then you had like a cross. Yeah. And then one around the bottom. But yeah. Anyway, um, I don't know. It's just uh, this this COVID thing just doesn't want to go away. And, you know, there's other other teams across the country that were uh, affected and some even, I don't know, there was uh, one team, it like voted to have some sort of outside body determine if it's school's COVID <laughs> response and and uh, monitoring was, was good enough for them. Uh, Not good enough. Yeah, just crazy times, right? Mm. Um, with all this talk about the, upcoming football season, whether or not it's going to be suspended. Uh, There definitely was a suspension that's still being enacted. And um, there's a unnamed LSU football player that's now accusing the school of an unjust suspension. Uh, Supposedly this player was suspended because of some sort of, uh, you know, personal, personal conflict with a, I'm guessing a female student uh, and whether or not their interactions were consensual or not. But the players saying that um, a decision was made before he or his, uh, I guess, legal team had a chance to look at any of the evidence. Um, but when asked about it, the, you know, the school said, well, per policy, that uh, the, the player is not always going to get a chance to look at the evidence before a decision has been made, uh, which is, I don't know, it's, I think that's a completely – different topic we could go down a a rant on by itself because what you know it's setting a weird precedent to where 
a decision can be made before someone can interject and say anything I, unless you know like i guess it's a, like a unless it's like a smoking gun so to speak i don't see how you could uh, deny a person a chance to tell their side of a story before you know a big decision like that is being made because not only are you kicking them out of school you're kicking them off the football team uh, you know you've devoted resources to this person they have bought into you they've given you their commitment so i don't know um i don't know if we're going to find out who it is you know, it does sound like a legal issue at this point, but what do you think about that? If, uh, I don't know, it's, it seems like some of the players now, you know, with all what they're asking with the COVID and with, uh, what we talked about last week with, uh, uh, Chua Hubbard with Mike Gundy and, you know, players just not being fond of, you know, their coaches, possible political leanings. It seems like the players are starting to get, you know, some more, some more say in, in what goes on behind the scenes here. Do you think that um, this was, do you think the player is right, whoever it may be, that it was probably unjust? Or do you think the, you know, maybe it's just the player that wasn't necessarily abiding by the rules that were presented to them uh, when they committed to the, to the team in the school? Yeah. So I'm not going to do too much speculating. This isn't law and order LSU, but yeah, I'm not going to just swing the gavel right here. But, yeah, I think you're right in the fact that it does seem that the players are kind of on the upswing in terms of representation and out loud voice, both on social media and then in the, the political atmosphere, and they're standing up for what they want. And I think that's that's great and reasonable. It's uh, kind of a little bit different from the old ways of kind of just you got your scholarship, now just like shut up and play a little bit and these players are trying to kind of build their own brands and which is, yeah, like I said, a really good thing. And then so that they can have that to lean on once they're moving on to either the professional level or to something outside of college sports. And then with the changing political and social landscape, these issues are becoming more and more important and discussed. And to go back to the original issue, I, I don't know really any too much details about this personal player's situation, but I mean, hopefully they settle it out and nothing was done in an incorrect manner or something where anybody was uh, harmed illegally, but hopefully the right thing was enacted both by the school and the, uh, the players and all parties involved. I kind of just talked myself in a circle and really didn't say much, but it's hard to, to tackle all of this. <laughs> I was going to say, welcome to, uh, welcome to broadcast journalism, Daniel. Mm-hmm. <laughs> say a lot and don't say anything at all. Exactly, exactly. Tommy, do you, uh, I don't know, you got any, anything I, to add to that? I don't know. I feel, I feel like I, I don't really have a problem with, uh, with the football program, um, you know, having standards. And even if the standard, even if their standard is, look, we kick, if, if, even if, you know, you might not get your day in court for playing football if coach O decides or if the, you know, the, the coaching staff or the program decides that we don't want you around anymore, because, you know, in our eyes, the evidence is, is high enough to, to get you out or, you know, maybe you've been a problem in the locker room and now there's something off the field that, you know, like we don't know who, obviously we don't know who the person is. And, um, if it, you know, I, I guess you could kind of go back and look or, and kind of, can think about, you know, okay, who are some players dismissed, but no one off the top of my head really comes to mind. And so I would, I would probably venture to say it might be a player who's a little bit, who 
you know, maybe didn't get uh, the playing time they wanted and then maybe was a little bit of trouble. And then, of course, this might have been the, the straw that broke the cam- camel's back. And, you know, I, I can see where a coach would say, like, look, man, like, you, you know, we don't need you. And if you're going to cause trouble off the field and, and I mean, if we've seen anything with, with the way Baylor, you know, with, with the whole Baylor incident, um, an issue like this can, could destroy a program. And so I can see where coach O says, you know what, like get out. No, like, no, we're not, we're not going to have, we're not going to have like a, a two or three week thing where we go back and forth on whose, whose story's right and whose story's wrong. I don't want any part of it. Right. So I don't really think it's, I, I wouldn't, and I wouldn't say it's really a reflection of like the, it, the administration, the program, not supporting like due process or something like that. I think they're just like, you know what, we're, we're focused on winning championships and this is a distraction and this, this has no place in our locker room. And, you know, I, it's not coach O's job to preside over some sort of, he says, she said kind of thing. He says, you know what, get out. Yeah. Just to build off that. I mean, yeah, you want them to be, innocent until proven guilty, but just for there to be something stirred up in the first place, then something's kind of got to be going on a little bit. And then you don't want that to kind of slowly take well, over and, and bring it's not a right to be down. on that football team. Yeah, like, you're right. He's got, you know, he can, he can, now he's got a, he can sue for whatever he can sue for defamation. If that, you know, if, if his accuser is wrong or he can, you know, there's a lot of stuff he can do just, and and just because you get kicked off the football team, I'm not sure. I, 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 or actually, I'm pretty sure, you know, the standard for getting kicked out of the school is a lot different than the standard for getting kicked out of the, out of the football team. You can be kicked off the Tyron Matthew was kicked off the football team. He was still a student at LSU. He still sat in the student section. I remember watching it on TV. He was in the student section for games. I'm pretty sure he was still went to class. Um, so like I don't know anything about his this guy's situation as far as uh as far as uh the being kicked off the football team versus being kicked off kicked out of school or if he chose to leave school all that but there's a big difference between you know the right for him to be able to go to LSU and the right to be on a football team. No one has a right to be on the football team. And coach o, coach o and all the you know and Scott Woodward and the decision makers they can decide who you know they they'll t- they they process these poor kids who are who think they have a, a a scholarship to LSU and they haven't done anything wrong at all. You know they they accept a they think they got an offer from LSU and they accept the offer, and then you know unfortunate things happen where another a better player comes in and they want to use their spot and these coaches have to tell them hey I'm sorry you're not you're not going to play for us anymore. You know yeah. I, I see if that's 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 the game of college football, so you know, if you kind of move out players just because of their skill level, which again, that's the game, it's a dirty business, but it happens. Then I have no problem at all with, with, with the coaches making a decision to say like, you know what, like, I don't know. I don't want to have some sort of case. I don't want to have some sort of trial and (laughs) hear evidence on both sides before we get you out. If you're a troublemaker, you're out. It sets sets a good standard for, for LSU as well. If you notice LSU doesn't have any, you know, we used to have some some off the field issues with Les Miles. Coach O, he doesn't it seems like he doesn't put up with it. And, you know, he's willing to suspend and indefinitely, you know, Michael Divinity, who was a top player last year. Um, and you know, I don't think we have we really don't have many character issues and, and I think this is probably another reason why. Yeah. My constitutional right to play college football was taken away my high school year of 
when I stopped growing and didn't get any larger. Yeah. And they just wouldn't let me after that. It was kind of sad. You can take that one to the Supreme Court, Daniel. <laughs> They've taken away what's rightfully mine. Uh, and Tommy, to go back to what you're saying about, you know, setting a standard for the program and, um, you know, who, who it is on the team. I, we all know it, it obviously wasn't Joe Burrow. Um, and just to relate this to some other program, because this is pretty much what happened to James Winston, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, but, you know, that was Jimbo Fisher, different coach, different program, obviously a different approach to it all. Uh, but the guy continued to play. They went on to win a title and, and yada, yada, yada. And but, then, but look how, look what happened to, to Florida state. Exactly. Yeah. That's what I was going to say is, um, you know, who do you have after that? It was, uh, I think it was Deandre Francois. Yeah. Had a guy, you know, his next quarterback, heir apparent, you know, he like cold cock some woman or, or something like that. He, he had, he had some issues himself. So like you said, it kind of set a standard. And, uh, I think coach O realizes from all these, all this input that he's getting from all these, you know, former coaches that he's worked with, uh, that he surrounds himself with just, it, it might seem appealing in the meantime if the guy's good, but it's down the road. It's not worth it. Um, I think your integrity is worth more. And if that's the case, I totally agree with it. So, but yeah, you're building a culture, uh, you know, he's building a culture in a program and some, some programs have great cultures and some don't FSU's one where, you know, after Jimbo had success and he brought in a lot of great players, but then the wheel started to fall off. And I think that, you know, people talk, people point at his, at that culture is kind of the reason why Uh, you see the same thing with, Florida after Urban Meyer left Urban had great success and he brought in a lot of you know great talent but and then but some of these players had character issues you know he even he had uh, what was it uh uh Anthony um Hernandez on the team and he had character issues I think before he even went to while he was in high school uh Aaron 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 Hernandez yeah but anyways um and when and when Urban left the wheels kind of fell off of Florida. So, you know, I think that it's, imp- I, I'm, I'm excited. I'm glad that coach O cares about, uh, cares about our culture. And he, he, I mean, you can just tell he keeps it on lock. You know, he, he's, he chokes out any of the, any of the bad influences and that's what you need because we, you know, we're focused on winning. We're not, we're not focused on anything else. And if you're not on board, you know, it's like what he says: one team, one heartbeat. If you're not, if you're not on board, then go. Yeah, yeah, and uh, you know, the, the players have to, as much as you want to believe them, believe in them, and get them to your school to play football for you. Uh, the players still have to believe in you, and I think that's what Coach O has solidified. And just to go back to what I was saying earlier, the uh, the school that um, that asked for a third party to look into its program uh, that was UCLA. And I guess they had a, a team meeting Thursday night. Well, <laughs> it was a virtual team meeting <laughs> Thursday night. Uh, 30, 30 players uh, were united in this, and they, they, I guess they all signed some sort of document to each other um, that they wanted someone else to watch, I guess a health official, to, to watch all their football activities because they did not trust their coach, Chip Kelly, it's acting their best interest. So I don't, you know, I can't imagine that all three of the, or that all 30 of these players were just, you know, uh, of one mindset 
and they're just, you know, having a knee jerk reaction to something that seems like, you know, that that takes a lot for, for these 30 players to bond together and ask that they're someone looking at their coach's decisions because he's possibly not having their best interest in mind. Uh, I mean, LSU's already had 30 players, you know, uh, either had it or been around people that had it and you haven't heard anything. So I just kind of shows you, I think coach O has these guys trust. Meanwhile, Kip Kelly does not, Um, you know, I don't know if, uh, you know, you know, if Jimbo Fisher were still at FSU players would, if he'd have that, that's probably why he left. Um, But anyway, I just just well, goes that, that seventy five million dollars. True, but <laughs> you think FSU would have not paid him that if he just wanted to stay? If he said, "Look, I want to stay here, just make it worthwhile." I don't know. There aren't many schools that have that A and M money, right? Like, I think you know A and supposed to have one of the biggest endowments. I want to say, right? Like uh, of like the public of the like SEC kind of big powerhouse schools. Like uh-huh. they've got the big, big, big boosters, right? I think Alabama does too. Um, I would venture to say that if, if LSU knew that this was their, you know, the guy and it wasn't a year that, you know, there was some, some fallout based on their, uh, you know, just per, you know, local economy. Remember? Cause that's why they, they didn't want to fire less miles and hire Jimbo's. They thought it would look bad because of, uh, of what the state was going through. They mm-hmm. wanted to do it. They just thought it would look bad. So that makes me think, they probably would have been able to scrounge up the money. I think LSU has deep enough boosters to where they could have got Jimbo Fisher if they wanted to, but the fact it's a state school kind of influenced that. Is that I want to I want to see the fair? resurgence. I want to see the resurgence of Harvard University as a football power with their forty billion dollar endowment. <laughs> they're going to buy Jimbo Fisher. They're going to call up Mark Zuckerberg and be like, "Can you make a small donation?" And then yep. they're going to get some. All the five star recruits are going to start pouring into the Ivy League, and then college football won't know what hit them. Except Harvard, for the- that the Ivy League, you can't even have a scholarship. You know, they don't have scholarship athletes. Well, there'll be some under-the-table money, but that's fine. <laughs> Zuck will be boosting left and right. Oh, imagine the Harvard bag man. <laughs> he'd, come, he'd come in with a yacht. It's like a 24-year-old like tech kid from San Francisco. <laughs> um, so, having said that, I, I don't know. I didn't really uh, really see too much else out there. Do you guys have anything else that you wanted to to discuss right quick? Um, I well update. I got confirmation that my uh, my borough poster was signed. I saw pictures of the signing that the uh, the group that I paid that I you know paid to do it. Um, they posted on their Facebook, so should be getting that poster in in the next like one to two weeks. Get it nice and framed pretty excited did he, about sign, that. did he sign it himself or did he have a ghost signer <laughs> well I, I mean i i didn't see i don't have video evidence of him holding you know the day's newspaper while signing it or whatever but i do know that uh i saw pictures of him with a pen in his or a sharpie in his hand signing you, you might need that guy from pawn stars to do like the handwriting authentication <laughs> <laughs> i think i'll get a i think i'll get a, a coa certificate of authentication with it so that's kind of cool mm-hmm. very nice very nice but i think that's it right on well um that'll do it for us this week hope you found it enjoyable all that info that we just uh unfurled for you tune in again next week uh who knows what's going to come out down the the shoot uh but we'll have it for you in detail and with good conversation so uh stay safe uh stay tuned and we'll talk to you next time on talking takes (laughs) 